loved and loved and all of those things. And, you know, uh, uh, we try to pay attention to what is going on around us. And this morning, I want to preach on the subject of love in First John chapter 4. And uh, the best way to understand something is to get a definition. Uh, that's where we're going to start this morning. And, of course, the Bible, we believe, is God's dictionary. If you want to really understand something, if you want a definition, if you want something explained, uh, you can open your Bible and the answer is there because God wants us to understand these things. And, of course, we've got to get something uh, hold of something, God's definition might be a little different than yours. And uh, if it is, what we need to do is to maybe give God the benefit of the doubt that maybe He knows more about what He's talking about than we think we do. I've often had near arguments and complete arguments with people, and they'll say, but I, but I love her and she loves me. And I never will forget one night, we, my wife and I, we were just married in Cleveland, Ohio, and, and we were, went on a visit, and, and uh, one of the guys in our Sunday school class said, hey, you need to go visit this. You're the new guy in town. And, and uh, I, I've learned since then, uh, over the years, that that usually means something quite negative. And so we knocked on the door and said, Hello, my name's P. Montoro. This is my wife, Julia. We're from Cleveland Baptist Church. And, oh! And uh, says, Well, uh, we just stopped by to talk to you. He says, Come on in. And, and uh, we're sitting there going, What is this? He said, uh, He said, I hate that church. And he said, I hate the preacher, Brother Folger. He said, you know that he had the audacity to tell me that I didn't love my wife? And I said, really? I said, I wonder why he would say that. And he says, and I love my wife. And his wife was sitting there and she said, yes, we love each other so much. And and we started talking a little bit and I, and I, I said... Uh, why, why would Brother Folger tell you something like that? And uh, he said, he said, I didn't love my wife because I didn't take her to church and, and, and teach her about getting saved before we got married. And I said, oh, I said, since you've been married, has he ever told you what it means to be saved? And she said, no. I said, would you mind if I explain to you from the Bible what it means to be saved? She said, no, not at all. And we took about the next 20 minutes to go through the Bible and explain to her what Bible salvation is. And I said, would you like to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And she said, I most certainly would. And I wanted to turn to him. Now, I probably would today. But I was much younger then. And say, Pastor Folger was right. You care enough about this person to marry them and support them and to tell them you love them. And yet not share a hope of eternity with this person? Is that love? And the reason I start with that story is I want you to go to the Bible definition of love. 1 John chapter 4. And, and let's read verse 8. And just keep your finger here. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures today. And if you want to get nimble fingered and follow through, uh, I'll try to read them very carefully so that you can... Uh, uh, hear them without having to look them all up. But we're going to come back to 1 John chapter 4, so just keep a finger there. But verse 8 says, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, can we just read that last phrase together? 
Here we go. For God is love. Now, I think I had five people reading with me. Let's try that again, nice and loud. For God is love. God is love. Now, how many of you, that's the first time you've ever heard that? Didn't think so. I mean, uh, that's not astounding. In fact, if you're around our church, if you're around here, you're never going to hear anything new. Because if it's new, it's not Bible. And if it's Bible, it's not new. Amen? Uh, this should not be an astounding thing to us that God is love. We, we know this, but do we understand it? Do, do we actually apply it to our lives? I mean, stop and, and think about love. And I, I've had people over the years say, well, uh, my, my grandparents never went to church and they loved each other till the day they died. I said, how, how well did you know your grandparents? Well, I mean, they died when I was five, but I heard all the stories. And um, I, I want to challenge you that there's an awful lot that goes under the word love that isn't love. Have you ever thought how precious love is? It is so incredibly wonderful that you can't purchase it for any price. I remember hearing the stories of Elvis Presley, and how he would put his friends, he, he had professional friends. They were all on the payroll. He bought them cars and lavished them with gifts, and, and, and that was really the only friends that he had. It, it was a tragic life. Often that's the price of fame and fortune. You ever had someone try to buy your friendship? It, it doesn't go very far, does it? I mean, there comes a point to where you start feeling like you're being taken advantage of and things are being expected of you, and, and, and which you would gladly give if they weren't expected. You ever had that happen? I mean, this is a small illustration, but it really aggravates me when I go to a restaurant and I look at the bill and they've already taken the tip out. That, that bothers me. You, you know what that says? It says, we don't trust you to do what's right. And it's like walking out of the store. They check your ID on the way in, these big clubs. And then they check your receipt on the way out. I often tell the cashier on the way out, yeah, there's a Cadillac in box number three there. Uh, I snuck it in and the cashier didn't get it. You want to make sure that, you know. It, it, it bothers me when someone accuses me or expects me that I'm not going to do what's right and they want to help me. When someone takes the tip out already, that's what they get. If they want a nice tip, they just wait. And usually I try to do a little bit more than the expected 15%. You know why? Because I want to do what's right, don't you? Most of us do. Love can't be bought. And yet, people have given everything they possess to try to get it. Love is so powerful that an imitation thereof has caused wars and laid waste entire nations. 
You ever thought about that? People have done all kinds of horrible things under the name of love. I've heard people say, well, I just love too much. Uh, That's not possible. Because God is love. And you know what? God doesn't hurt people. He will judge, but that's after you've refused His love. If you will accept His love, can you have too much God in your life? Have anyone ever been injured by getting too... Now, now we're not talking about religion here. Religion's done horrible things. What we're talking about is God. And yet, love has given people power to live when all other hope was gone. I I love to read history. And I read the story of our soldiers that surrendered in Bataan and all the cruelty that they faced. And, And it was an amazing thing. They did a study on those lives. The men that survived that ordeal were not the youngest and strongest. In fact, they died first. It was many of the the men that survived that ordeal were married men who had families and loved ones waiting for them at home and had been sent there on a short-term mission and ended up in the middle of that catastrophe. And yet, you see, they had something. They had someone at home that they knew loved them and wanted them to return. And that love gave them the strength to endure years and years of torture and starvation till they could be returned back home. The younger men that didn't have that lost hope and died. And yet that same thing called love will take someone who has a life expectancy of many years who will willingly give up their life to save the lives of others. You see, that sounds a little contradictory. Well, uh, love is a little bigger than you and I can comprehend. Amen? And by the way, you don't have to be born again and saved and have a living relationship with God to touch the goodness of God's character. He sends His rain on the just and the unjust. And anyone who is willing to try to do and be obedient to the things that are in God's Word can can touch that thing called love and can experience it. But that won't get you to heaven. To get to heaven, you've got to accept God's love without reservation. You know, every year, a year longer I'm married, I am more thankful for one thing than anything else. It is the fact that my wife is willing to put up with me. I mean, and you, you say, that may sound trite or whatever, but... I mean, we're, we're counting 26 plus years. That's a long time. I'm glad that she's willing to put up with me. You know what? You see, if you love someone with all of your heart, there's going to come a point where you're going to run out of heart. Because there's only so much of you. But if you'll surrender your life to God first and that other person surrenders their life to God first, you never, ever run out of God. That's the application of that verse. Love is God. God is Love, it's possible to touch the goodness and the blessings of God without knowing Him fully. 
But it's not possible to know Him and not love. That's what this verse is saying. And yet, love is such a wonderful thing that even the cheap and horrendous imitations thereof are gladly embraced because love is such a wonderful thing. And I want to challenge you that the imitations of love, they, they look nice on the outside and they'll last a little while, but they, they're going to fade. And what, what, once was, what was once wonderful is going to become horrific far beyond your wildest nightmares. Because you cannot imitate God long without serving the devil well. And so today, what I'd like to do is preach about what love truly is. And by that, try to help us understand what love isn't. So that we can run away from the imitation and embrace what is true and what is real. And the only thing that will last in this life. We, we live in a world that is, or our society in America, is just swimming in self-esteem. That is the number one need. We, we need to feel good about ourselves. I'll, I'll tell you what, the reason why that is so prevalent is because people don't have love. When I say my wife's willing to put up with me, you know what I'm saying? She cares about me in spite of who I am. I don't mean to be near as concerned about who I am and trying to put on a front and trying to be acceptable. And that gives me freedom to be the best human that I can be. And she would like that a whole lot better than the worst human I can be. Amen? You see... Here's what Jesus said. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know what love, God's love to mankind is? Is epitomized in the words of a song that we sing often at invitation time. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. God gives us total acceptance just the way we are. Is that not one of the greatest characteristics of love? I've often tried to help people understand when they're in a dating relationship. And one of the first questions I ask people when they come and say, well, we think we're getting married. What would you like to change? And if I get a long list of things they'd like to change, I say, wait a minute. Let's, let's stop right here. Do you have the right to demand that another person change their entire life to fit your pattern?" Uh uh-uh. uh. You see, one of the ways I know that things were right between my, uh, well, she wasn't my wife when I found this out. It was, I was praying and, and, and trying to figure out God's will, and, and it was just like a little voice in my head said, What's wrong? And all of a sudden it dawned on me every other lady that I'd ever dated, there was always this big list of things that were question marks. You know how long my list was? There wasn't anything on the paper. And it was just like that little voice was saying, what's wrong with you, stupid? Stop praying about if it's God's will and start praying that 
you'll be able to do what needs to be done so that her father will give you permission to marry her. Amen? And, and uh, if anybody knows the story, that was quite an ordeal. But uh, the Lord did bless and, and a long time ago. And, and uh, I'll tell you what. But love offers acceptance just the way you are. Love does not ask you to prepare yourself so that you can be loved. If you do not come to God just the way you are, with all of your sin, with all of your failures, God will not accept you. But here's the change. Here's the contradiction. You see, true love always changes the object loved. When a person that has all these self-esteem and security issues, if they are able to find true and accepting love, guess what happens to all of those self-esteem and, 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 uh, and security? They just vanish. Because they're no longer in need of what protects them. And that's what is so wonderful about a godly marriage is I don't care what the world thinks. I, I, want, I care what my wife thinks. And she doesn't care what the world thinks. And together we strive to serve the Lord. But you see, love changes the object that is loved. Here's what Paul said in First, Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The way I, I like saying it, the way I've said it many times is, God loves you so much you can only come to Him just as you are. But His love is so great, He's not going to let you stay that way. You see, it's God that does the changing. Have you ever met someone that's been changed by another person? I mean, we have professionals. They're called behavioral modificationists. Spelled P-S-Y-C-H-A-I-R-S-I-T, something like that. Psychiatrist. Uh, they are professionals at altering behavior. Their success rate is somewhere, uh, what was it, I, I read, uh, and I spelled it wrong on purpose, by the way, for those that are snickering. But uh, someone evaluated their success rate at somewhere around 6 or 8%. Let, let me tell you something. If you want change... Only God changes you. And the force that He uses to change you is love. See, as a human being, I can look at your life and I'm a pastor. My job is studying what people do and, and, and trying to help them. They'll come say, Pastor, can you give me some counsel and I'll open up my Bible and and, and try to help them. But... I mean, there's, I can't see in your heart. But God can. And only God can touch those things that are unseen to human eyes and move them without trying to do something selfish for Himself. Every human being's got that little bit of selfishness in them. Sometimes it's a lot of bit of selfishness. Well, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Uh, let me tell you, it's a whole lot cheaper to go down to the 99 cent store and get one of them little back scratchers and do it yourself. Amen? You don't want that kind of help because it's going to take from you things that you won't want to give. You see, you don't have to be afraid of God. True love offers total acceptance, but true love changes the object that is love. But true love 
never pressures. How many times have I had some? But I keep telling him, he needs to do this and he needs to do that and he needs to do this. If you want to destroy your husband, ladies, just nag him. There's nothing more destructive in a marriage than that. There's something built into every man. You've got to understand this, ladies. There's just something built into the nature of a man that when you say, would you please... No. He's never going to say it out loud. I mean, you, you, even little boys. Mamas with little boys. You got to understand something. You can't nag little boys. You, you, have to, you have to do it a different way. You see, a little boy will do anything to get mama to smile at him. Case in point, you ever see the football players, big 200, 300 pound guys? I crush the opponents. Hi, Mom. I, I love it. But see, here's what Jesus said Jesus is talking to his church, Revelation chapter 3. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And we'll sup with him and he with me. Jesus is talking to his church. The Laodicean church. The church that had shut him out. The church that God said, you make me so sick, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He said, but I'm standing at the door knocking. Do you get the picture there? It's his church. You see, true love doesn't pressure but can I give you the reverse? True love never yields to pressure. Let me read you the book of Hebrews chapter 6. It says that by two immutable things, that's unchangeable, unmovable, by two immutable things in which it is, was impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. God has never turned one soul away who will say, I will call upon His name. But when you do, He's going to change you. And if you don't want Him to change you, then you never accepted His love in the first place. But He's not going to pressure you. And He will never yield to any pressure that is in the universe. You see, true love never ever says, I want. I'll tell you, my blood boils. The closest I've ever come to assaulting another human being was I was listening to a young man was just we were standing in a line waiting for work and he said, "Well, I always just tell him, listen, if you really love me, you will." And I almost grabbed him by the shirt. I mean, it was just I, I talked to him, and I think I scared him pretty good. I wanted to. That's not love. Love never offers a trade. Love never says, well, if you love me, you would. You see, the reason true love works and the imitation doesn't is here's what the Bible says, for God so what? Love the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have Everlasting life. If you want to know one of the reasons I am not a Calvinist and my blood boils every time I hear one of them talking and trying to explain this book, is they are so afraid of God's love being taken advantage of that they make a situation where God only loves the people to get saved. That's not my God. That's not the God of this book called the Bible. Because He is love, and true love 
is willing to be taken advantage of because true love doesn't say give me. It says I'll give you no strings attached. But I'll tell you what, once you receive that love, things are different. I no longer do what I do under a sense of obligation. And I'm getting ahead. But, you see, true love always reckons, always believes, always understands that it receives more than it gives. How many times have we had two people with some kind of conflict, husband, wife, friends, whatever. And one of my favorite little statements is, somebody's going to have to stand up and be the adult here. You know, a little child, sometimes they are prone to temper tantrums. Anybody ever seen a little kid throw a temper tantrum? Don't tell me that you did. All right, we'll move on. Now, what is the right response? I, I've, I've seen adults, my kid told me they hated me. Your kid's only two years old. They don't even know what the word means. It's time for you to be the adult and, and understand that you're going to have to uh, put up with a little abuse here uh, until you can retrain the behavior. Does that make sense to anybody? Uh, Does God treat us that way? How many times have we abused His love? Does He throw us out and take away our salvation? Uh Uh-uh. You know what? It says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It says, but he commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He has given us and will give us every opportunity in this life to accept his love just as it is. And after we've accepted his love and when we fail him, what does the Bible say? 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, true love accepts you just the way you are. But the object loved will be changed by accepting love. True love never pressures And never yields to pressure. True love never says, I want. It's always, I give. And true love always reckons as having received more than it's given. And yet, true love has definite boundaries. This is the difference between imitation love and and true love. Jesus said in First John and the Gospel of John, I'm sorry, fifteen fourteen. He says, "Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you." you say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't that sound like? Uh, well, it sounds like, but it's not the same. You see, Jesus is not just another human being. Jesus is God, and He says, "When you surrender to My love." He said, I'll be your friend. You will be my friend. I'm not changing. You see, he's not the problem. We are. And Hebrews 12 tells us, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? 
You ever met a kid that was never disciplined? One of the most tragic things that happens on this earth is someone who was raised with no boundaries and no discipline. You know what love without boundaries is? Slavery. But see, God's love has definite boundaries. In fact, the boundaries that God's love has is the difference between heaven and hell for all eternity. I've had people over the years say, Pastor, how can you preach a God of love when there's a place called hell? It's very easy. You see, love without boundaries is nothing more than slavery. God is not your slave. He is not sitting here to bless you in all of your wicked, evil desires. He will accept you with all of those desires. But once you accept that His love, His love is going to change you and make you a new creature and make you desire different things. He's never going to pressure you, but He's never going to yield to your pressure and do what you want instead of what He wants. That's why He doesn't answer most of our prayers, because we're trying to get God to do something we want instead of asking God to make us be willing to accept what He wants to do. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man, what? Lay down his life. For his friends. But I've already quoted the verse once, and let me quote it again. But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet what? Sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God's love knows no boundary. If he was willing to give his son, what wouldn't he be willing to give? I'll tell you what it is. is for you to do despite to the gift that God offered because of His love of Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sins. That's why you cannot pay for your own sins. Because you would have to trample on God's love to get it done. Amen? That's why God's love is there in spite of our sins and failures after we're saved. Because the only way you can get saved is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the only way you're going to live each day is that same way. You know what true love does? True love makes the lover act. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Jesus is talking about the union of the Jewish and the Gentile believers there. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see, if you're going to give true love, you've got to do something. Something has got to happen. If someone, young lady, if someone says he loves you, and he cares about you, and he doesn't give himself for you, that's not love. The example is God. Jesus left heaven's glory, and he laid down his life on Calvary's cross and suffered all of that. But the greatest suffering was not the physical beating and all of that. Don't, Easter's coming, 
don't watch Mel Gibson's stupid movie. Please. A blasphemy to the truth that's in the Bible. His greatest act of love was as God gave him all of the judgment for our sins. He did not become a sinner. He took our punishment. Now, I don't know how to put it any better than the preacher did many years ago. And I, I don't have his name or I'd give it. He said, Jesus, as an infinite God, accomplished in one day, what would take every human being as finite human beings in eternity and hell to get done. Now, you have to think about that. But that's how much God loved us. That's what His love made Him do. And if you can't accept that love, the boundaries of God's love says there's no place in heaven for you. That's what the Bible teaches. You see, the most wonderful thing about true love is there is action not only on the part of the one giving love, but there's action on the part of the one receiving love. We sang that song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. You know what? 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. Now I want you to go back to 1 John chapter 4. Now I want us to read that other verse where it talks about God is love. 1 John chapter 4 verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. You see, true love is so powerful, there is no barrier that it cannot break down. True love is so valuable, there's no amount of money all the riches of the world couldn't buy. The least drop of love. Love offers total acceptance. But love changes the object loved. Love never pressures and love never yields to pressure. Love never says, I want, always I give, and love always reckons that it receives more than it gave. Love has definite boundaries, yet within those boundaries there are no limits. There are no boundaries within the true boundaries of love. True love demands that the person, the lover, acts. And it also demands that the loved, the one receiving that love, acts. The first act of love that we can do is understand how much, now we will never understand the total of that, but that God loved us so much that Jesus died on the cross. That's why the words, it is finished, is on the back. Because all the suffering and all the payment is done. There's nothing left for you to do except accept God's love. But I want to challenge you if you're holding on to your own ideas and your own thoughts and your own plans of life and you're not willing to surrender them, you're, you're not willing to accept God's love. God's love will change you. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. How many could say amen to that? Amen. And there are many more things that I could say this morning. But I, I want us to think about something as we leave. 
This verse 16 says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. That's the first step. Jesus died on the cross to demonstrate God's great love. And if we will accept that love, we can live in that love. And it says God will live in us. That's what being saved is, my friend. Surrendering to God's love takes away all of my insecurities. I've had people say, Pastor, you're just, you're not afraid of, you're, you're so bold when in, in, and you scare me sometimes when you preach. I've had people say that. No, no, no. I, what I'm trying to do is just help you understand that what's in this book is reliable. Amen? That what's in this book is something that we can trust and we can give ourselves fully and be totally protected all at the same time. Because true love only builds. It only gives. It only makes things better. Paul said it this way, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be, may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Tell you what, love is what the world seeks for. It's what they want. How many billions of dollars, I wonder, are spent every year chasing after something called love? And yet, true love is free because Jesus paid for it with His own blood. And if you touch Him, what did Jesus say that he'd give us strength to do? He commanded us in the Sermon on the Mount to love our enemies. And you already love your friends. I like what Brother Jet said while he was here last summer for the counseling class. He said, he said I set a couple down that's having problems. And he says, now you love your friends, right? Oh, yes. Jesus said you're supposed to love your enemies. Doesn't your spouse come between there somewhere? Amen? Isn't it sad that we have to say something like that to people? It's because we've accepted the imitation. It's because we're willing, we're much more willing to do something that would please us instead of receiving the love that God gave and try to reflect that love back to Him. That's what living the Christian life is. You know what? I could never out-love God. But I'm sure glad He loved me. And every good thing that has happened in my life has happened... Because of God's love. Aren't you glad he doesn't say, buy me a box of candy? And do this and do that. He does say, obey my word. But you know something? If you obey what's written down in this book called the Bible... God isn't the one that benefits. You are. You see, that's how great God's love is. Is He never asks us to do something that's not going to benefit 
us because he needs no benefits. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask during these next few moments you would allow us to think about your word and the truths that are in it and the great love wherewith you have loved us, Lord, and how short we come on our end of this thing. How many times do we fail you? Lord, I ask that in these next few moments you would work in each heart and life here present. You'd help us to understand just a little bit more about your love. Lord, pray for those that are here today that do not know you as their Savior. That they'd be willing to see the great love that you have shown us through the death of Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, we're glad that it didn't end at the cross. That it never has ended. That he ever lives and sits on the right hand of the Father to pray for us. Lord, I pray for those that are just struggling under the weight of life and circumstances and burdens. that we would understand that God's love is greater than them all. Lord, I pray for those that are chasing after the imitation, that you would help them understand that only true love is worth the price. Lord, work in our hearts that we may live in worship to you in this coming week. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's just stand together. The hymn of.